So John 9 was this uh, really uh, special chapter um, about the healing of the, of the blind man from birth. Um, this, kid, this man was born and was born uh, blind. And um, as Jesus is walking by, uh, the, his disciples ask him, like, uh, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was neither, but so that the works of God may be displayed in him. And Jesus makes mud with a spit on the ground. He spits on the ground. It's kind of gross for many of you. I think even if it's Jesus' spit, I would have thought it's still kind of gross. Um, he spits on the ground. You know, you have to make spit a lot to make mud. And so he spits, 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 makes mud, and rubs it on the, on the blind man's eyes. And he tells him to go, tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he said, which means sent, and he kind of sends them off to be healed. And then he goes and he obeys and he washes his eyes in the pool and he's healed. And then there's this whole interrogation that the Pharisees do on him and they interrogate his parents. And I love the blind man's reactions to the Pharisees. It's like, they're like, how, how did this happen? You know, who did this to you? How were you healed in this way? And the blind man responds in the way that, like, I think any of us who was healed like like this by Jesus by Jesus would respond he's like I don't know I don't know all I know is I was once blind but now I see and he's like why do you keep asking me this why do you do you guys want to be his disciples also and then the Pharisees upon hearing this they like you could tell they just get super angry and they kick him out of the synagogue and now this getting kicked out of the synagogue is is pretty serious uh, for a Jew especially back then because your life revolved around Judaism. Like, you were born a Jew. It's not like, like, I'm born a Korean, right? But that, me being Korean is, is not like my, my religion, right? For the Jew, the religion, the culture, the ethnicity, everything was mixed up into one. And so when he was actually put out of the synagogue, it was actually, it was a permanent thing. And it meant losing friends, it meant losing family, and basically getting kicked out of the culture. It's a very serious uh, understanding of, of uh, a very serious thing that happened to him. Sorry, if you're... You know. Okay, good hand-eye coordination. Um, so it wasn't like getting kicked out of the mall or getting kicked out of Burger King. It was, a, it was a serious thing that happened to this man. And as this man is put out of the synagogue, Jesus, he finds out, and Jesus seeks him out. Jesus goes to him and asks him, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the blind man says, who is this? That I may believe, and Jesus tells him, "Like, that's me. I'm, I'm, like the person that I'm talking about is standing in front of you." And he re reveals himself to G to this man. He reveals himself to be the Son of God to this man, and the man calls him Lord, and he worships him. Now, we're on chapter ten, and although it's a new chapter that's beginning, right? In the Bible, like originally, there was no chapters and verses, right? And so. Chapter 10 is basically a continuation of chapter 9. And so as Jesus says these things, the blind man that was once blind is standing there. The Jewish leaders that had kicked him out of the temple are standing there as well. So it's just a continuation. Right after that, it's just basically Jesus goes into this sermon and he says these words. In chapter 10, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way. That man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. 
When he, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech used with them, Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes to only steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have, have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, Jesus says this kind of like this short, you know, this sermon in a sense. And here in this sermon, Jesus makes two claims about himself. He makes two like, you know, he's like he's one of the many I am sentences or I am claims that Jesus makes in the book of John. And he says that he is the door and he says that he is the good shepherd. And he starts the sermon with an illustration that would have been very familiar to the people at the time, right? You know, I grew up in the city. Who, who anybody here grew up grow up in a farm? Anybody know? Right? Anybody had sheep at one point in their life, right? I'm pretty sure we all grew up, uh, you know, in the city. Most of us, you know, we didn't have sheep or you know have have shepherds in our family. But back then, sheep and shepherds and sheepfolds and all of these things was a common thing back then. Everybody kind of understood it. And so this would have been a, a, a good illustration for Jesus to use. A sheepfold, a sheepfold was a walled structure, like a really large, like a pen, you know, like, a, like where you keep horses and things like that. <clears throat> it was a walled structure that had one gate or door. And as shepherds, like, would go and they would, like, pasture their, their sheep. They would take them to all the different hills and all the areas so they can go and eat the grass and get fat and, you know, grow wool in their skin. They would, bring, they would bring them back into town, and they would put the sheep inside of the sheep fold for the night. And, you know, a, a town would only have, like, maybe one sheep fold. And so in one sheep fold, there would be multiple sh- shepherd's sheep, like, all kind of congregating together inside one sheep fold. And then uh, a porter or like a worker will be hired to guard the gate and protect the animals in the middle of the night while the, the shepherds go and you know, go to town and they get rest and sleep and eat and stuff like that. And, and back then, they didn't have like, you know, they didn't brand animals. They didn't brand sheep like they do, like brand cows now in America. They didn't put tags in their ear. They didn't have that kind of technology. All they had to differentiate between sheep inside of this big, Huge pen of sheep that are just like, meh, meh, all through the night. The only thing that they had to differentiate between the sheep was the voice of the shepherd. Right? They would call their sheep. They would like, oh, you know, had their particular voice and, and, and sound, and the sheep would follow. And this is what Jesus is talking about in John 10. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber, but he enters, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He's saying that he is the rightful shepherd shepherd of the sheep. Now many people will talk about this sheepfold 
really hard to say that word, sheepfold. Sheepfold, um, they would like, like equate it to heaven, or they would, they would say, oh, it's the church, but it's not really what Jesus is talking about here. Um, Jesus talks about leaving the sheep out of the sheepfold, right? Jesus doesn't lead us out of the church. And then Jesus mentions that there are thieves and robbers that come into the sheepfold, and I'm pretty sure heaven doesn't have thieves and robbers or anything like that. There's nothing like that that exists in heaven. So it's not an illustration of heaven. It's not a really an illustration of the church. So what is Jesus talking about when, when he says sheepfold? What does this sheepfold rep- represent? Well, he's talking about Judaism. He's talking about the nation of Israel. And the Jews are the sheep. And Jesus came the right way. He fulfilled all of the prophetic words in the Old Testament that talked about the coming of the Messiah. Jesus fulfilled every single one of those. He came through the line of David. He came, he came the appointed way just as the scriptures had promised him. He is the rightful shepherd of Israel. And Jesus is saying this. He's calling out the religious leaders of the time calling them thieves and robbers, that they were not the true shepherds. They had taken the words of God, turned it into something that oppressed and exploited the people. But Jesus says that he is the rightful shepherd and that his sheep know his voice and they follow him. But this saying was lost on the religious leaders. They just didn't get it. They're like, what is he talking about? Sheepfold sheep. And so Jesus makes a declaration about himself. He says that He says, I am the door. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And so Jesus says that he's the door. He is the door to lead the Jews out of the religion of Judaism and into his flock to be his people. Remember, he's saying this in front of the the once blind man, right, who had just been basically kicked out of Judaism, right, as a religion. He'd just been kicked out of Judaism, and and he's saying this in front of him. Jesus is saying, I am the door. I am the way. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And this is the gospel. You know, a few chapters later in John 14, Jesus will say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to his father except through me. And Jesus is saying that he is the way for the nation of Israel, and not just only them, but all of us, to come into his fold, to become his sheep, to become his people. Later in John 10, 16, it says, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. I read something from some nutty people a long time ago. That what Jesus is talking about here, about other, other people and other folds, other sheep and other folds, is, is he said that they were talking about aliens, like aliens living in other planets. No, he's talking about Gentiles, talking about you and me. We are the other, other fold that's going to be added into the people of God. Because back then, Judaism and Jews, the, the idea of the kingdom of God consisting of people that were other than Jews, it was preposterous to them. It just didn't make sense in their mind. But Jesus says he is the door for not only the Jews, but for all people. This is why Christianity is so inclusive. People say Christianity is exclusive, and it is in a sense. It's exclusive 
Because there's only one way, Jesus Christ. You guys have to know that Christianity is exclusive in that sense. There's, you know, there is only one way. It's only through Christ. But it's also more inclusive than any other religion or any other thing out there. It's because it doesn't matter what ethnicity you are, what social background you come from, how rich you are, how poor you are, how horrible your life has been, how all of the horrible bad things that you've done under the blood of Jesus Christ, we are all accepted. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess, Jesus Christ is Lord. So it's, it's, it's Christianity is this thing that brings all cultures together, all cultures, all types of people, all kinds of personalities. We all come together under Jesus Christ. He is the door. We all go through the same door. And he tells us that him, as a door, leads us into abundant life. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And he's talking about either the devil or sin. Either way, it, it leads to death and destruction. But Jesus says, he is the doorway to life. He is the doorway to life. Not just life, but abundant life. Other version says the fullness of life. And he points to the abundant life from making another declaration about himself. And he says that he is the good shepherd. He's not just a shepherd, but he's the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, the, who does not own the sheep, see the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be, no, there will be one flock and one shepherd. This says that he is the good shepherd. Now, like I mentioned, I, don't, I didn't grow up with sheep, so I don't know a lot about them, but I do have the Internet, and I was able to find some very peculiar facts about sheep. Because I've heard all my life that sheep are very dumb animals, and in a sense, they're very dumb animals, right? Like, I've heard that sheep, um, if they don't, they have this herd mentality, and so if there isn't a shepherd to, like, lead them to, like, a new, like, new area to, to feed on, right, they say, like, you know, like, who's left, like, something boiling on the sink and just forgot about it, right? Say I'm a shepherd, and I, I put my sheep in this area, and I just forget. I go out, and I'm playing, you know, Nintendo or whatever. And, and that sheep, if, if they're not, like, taken to a new patch of pasture eventually, they'll keep eating the grass all the way down to the ground, and they'll continue to eat to the point where they're eating each other's poo. And as they continue to eat each other's food, they'll start to get worms in their stomach, and then they'll eventually die. They don't know how to go and find pasture. That's why they need shepherds. Right? Sheep don't know how to find new pasture. And they'll, and they'll graze all the way down, and then all of a sudden, they get all these worms, sick worms and die. They also come across poisonous plants, and most animals know not to eat poisonous plants. How many times you've heard of, like, an animal like dying from poison, right? No, no. But sheep, they'll find poisonous plant and they'll continue to eat it until they die. And so they're kind of dumb. But 
more than just being dumb, I, I think a better word to describe them is that they're helpless. Sheep are helpless animals. They have no natural defense mechanism except just to run. Like, they don't really run that fast because they have all this wool on them, you know? Have you ever, like, tried to run with a wool jacket? Wool's heavy, right? Wool's one of the heaviest materials that you could wear. And it's, they're just made of wool, right? And one of the things is that, like, if a sheep, if you see a sheep on his back, right, it's not because they have their back itches and they're trying to scratch their back. My dog Nugget does that. Nugget will be like, he'll be like, Argh! or she'll be like, Argh! and all of a sudden she's on her back. And she's kind of like doing this. It's because her back itches. And she's trying to scratch her back. But when a sheep is on its back, it basically literally means that it's dying. You know, it's because either they're pregnant or they have like wet wool on them. Their fur is all wet. And it gets super heavy. And they have like skinny legs. Have you ever seen sheep? It's like a big old cotton ball with just like, two, like four sticks sticking out, right? So they don't, have, they don't have like strong legs. They have a whole lot of wool on them. And they'll like flip over on their back like a turtle. And they don't know how to right themselves. And when they stay like this for like a long period of time, right, they'll end up killing them. They'll end up dying. There's this video that I saw about what to do when you see a sheep on its back. And you're supposed to go and kind of like roll it over so that it gets back onto its feet. And they say that even after you do that, they're so disoriented that they'll just, they might just end up on their back again. You got to keep an eye on them. Sheep are helpless. So they're, they're kind of dumb and they're helpless. But there is one aspect about them that sets them apart from all other animals. And it's that they recognize sounds and faces. As a matter of fact, a sheep, according to a study in 2001, sheep are found to be able to recognize and remember 50 individual faces for more than two years. And so they have this amazing memory of recognition. And this is what Jesus is saying in this sermon. He's like, the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own knows me. And Jesus is saying that as, as we see him as the door, as he becomes the door in which we go through, and, who, and we enter into this abundant life, this life in the fullest, he's saying that he knows each of us by name. And then we know his voice. <laughs> Can you guys tell them to kind of be quiet? It's an amazing thing to know that God knows us. Personally, you know, he can look into the mass of humanity that exists, not just, not just now, but throughout history. Imagine all of the humanity that has ever existed in this world. He can look into this mass of humanity and he can say, hey, Amanda, that's Amanda. I know her. I know her better than she knows herself. I knew her before the foundation of the world. I know Molly. I know AJ. This is, this is AJ. This is what AJ thinks. Not only does he know us, he know of us. He knows every act, action that we do. He knows every thought that we have. He knows us inside and out. And yet he still continues to furiously love us and he knows us personally. And says, not only does God know us, but he gives us the ability to hear his voice, to hear his guidance, his leading, his call for our lives. Now, there's a lot of Christians out there that said, I can't hear the voice of God. I can't hear the voice. I don't hear it. He's usually just silent with me. Have you ever met with people like that? 
But like, man, what's God, how's God? Well, God doesn't really talk to me. I think, you know. But, you know, you have to understand that he's constantly talking to you. He's constantly leading you. He's constantly guiding you. When you went through that door, when you came to Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. And he speaks to you. He speaks to you through the word of God. He speaks to you through prayer, through worship, through this still small voice. God continues to speak to you. And a lot of times we can't hear him because there's a whole bunch of other voices that are trying to get our attention at the same time. Not just the voice of the enemy tempting us with lies, but the voice of the flesh, our carnal desires, the voice of the world, entertainment, social media, the voice of materialism. This gets me all the time. When I, I, when I like, think about buying something, does this happen to you guys? When you're like, oh, I think I need this, and then you look at something online, and you're like, oh, I really want that. Until that thing is in my life, like, that's, like, sometimes like, that's the only thing that I can think about, right? And then, like, technology and the Internet has figured this out. And so, like, I'll Google something. I was like, ooh, that's nice. And all of a sudden, all my social media advertisements, Caleb, have you thought about this? Caleb, have you seen this? Have you considered this? The church, as his sheep, we know his voice. If he is our good shepherd, if he is truly our good shepherd, we can hear his voice. And we can hear his voice when he calls us by name. But you have to understand, it's based on what our heart is tuned to. You know, what is your heart tuned to? Some of you guys may have, you know, some of you guys that are old like me, you know, have, have used radios for a long time. I, I think young people, they, they don't even know what a radio is. They have mu- like I, Apple Music, iTunes, Spotify. You know, they have music on demand. But a long time ago... When we were young, we would have these things called radios and radio stations. And in order for us to listen to a particular station and a particular type of music, we had to know the number on the dial of the radio that needed to be set so that we can get that particular station. Growing up in L.A., you know, we had Power 106. You remember Power 106, right? Big Boy in the Morning, Power 106, hip-hop music. And we had 106.7 KROQ. You know, K-Rock, alternative music. And in the same way as his sheep, if we want to hear his voice, our hearts need to be tuned to him. And the question is not about if we can hear him or if we can't hear him. The question is, do you want to hear his voice? Do you want to really hear his voice? And right now, he's speaking to you, he's guiding you, he's leading you. And as his sheep and as his children, as sons of God, the Bible says those who are led by the Spirit of God are called sons of God. We can hear him. He's speaking to us. But what, he's, what, what, what I want to ask you is, do you want to hear his voice? And for people that tell me, oh, I don't hear from God. I don't hear his voice, right? I usually ask him, are you really seeking him out? Because he tells us if we seek him, He will be found by us. If we incline our ears to hear, we will hear him. We will hear his voice. In the spirit, much like a radio, we can't multitask. I can't listen to hip-hop on Power 106 and also try to listen to alternative music on KROQ at the same time. 
And you can't try to set your heart on God and at the same time set your heart on all of the other voices and all of the things that are trying to get your attention. That's why God says he has to be first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. First. And I want to ask you again, do you want to hear his voice? Because if you ask me that on any given like week, there will be moments where I'll be like, no, I don't. And you know what? To be honest with you, most of you guys have that same kind of mindset too. There's times where God is saying, I don't, I don't want to pick, I'm just going to pick some random person. Tiffany! <laughs> I don't want her to feel bad. Tiffany, you look like, Tiffany, I want, I want you to come. And I have something for you. I have something, I have a mess, I have a guidance for you. I, and a lot of times, I'm not saying that Tiffany does this. Tiffany's a great woman of God. She has character. She's a godly woman. Right? She'll be like, oh no. I, I, want, I, I want to do something else. No, I'd rather listen to something else. This happens to me all the time. Where I know God is speaking to me. I'm like, God's like saying, like, you know, he's doing his call. He's like, my good shepherd. He's like, Caleb, come over here. And I have something to say to you. And then you know what I say? It's like, not now. Maybe later, God. And I want to ask you today, do you really want to hear his voice? The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Do you want to hear his voice? Because he's calling. He's constantly calling. God is constantly speaking and communicating with you through the spirit of God, through the word of God, through prayer, through worship, through meditation, through, through, you know, like, memorizing the word of God through you know spending time listening to praise music through just you know praying and, and daydreaming about in all those moments throughout the day God is constantly trying to speak to you but do you want to really listen not only does God know us and we hear his call we have the ability to hear him there's another fact about the good shepherd and the sheep and it's that the sheep belong to him he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them up and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. The Bible says that Jesus knows us and that we belong to him. There's something that happens when, when we own something. How many of you guys have rented a car before? Have you rented a car? Right. And how many of you, you really truly try to keep that car clean and wash it and vacuum it? No! Right? It's a rental car. Why would you take care of something that, you know, why would you, I don't think anybody has ever washed the rental car, right? Sometimes we like try to make it as dirty as possible, and then we return it, right? We go to the I don't know, we go we go to the beach. We went to Jeju, right? And we rented a car, and the kids would play in the sand, and they would get sand all over the carpet, and we we're just like, oh, it's all right, you know. Like, if it was our car, I'd be like, no, make every grain of sand has to be off of your feet before you go in the car, right? But when it's a rental car, we don't we don't take care of it. And when I was back in L.A. And, and this is a funny story. When I used to work at downtown LA, I worked as a messenger. A messenger is somebody that, you know, either on a bicycle or in a car, they would deliver, like, courier messages from law firms and all these different places through downtown. 
And it's impossible. You can't have feet. There's no parking in downtown LA, so everybody uses bicycles, bike messengers. And I had a friend. His name was Jungle. And no, that is not his real name. Right? But unsavory people don't like to give out their real name. I, know, I knew Jungle for like three years. I still don't know what his real name was. Right? But he had a delivery at LAX. He had to go and deliver something to LAX. He went and delivered something. He was on his way back. Uh, one of the drivers had driven him. On his way back, he's walking out of the airport, and there's this woman come, drives up to the curb, pops open the truck, grabs her bag, right, with the trunk open and the key still running in the ignition. She, she yells, I'm sorry, but I'm late. And then she just runs off and leaves the car sitting on the curb with the trunk open, with the door open, but the key sitting with the engine on. Right? Still sitting in the thing. And then she just says, I'm so sorry, I'm late. And then she just ran off. And my friend Jungle, being the nice guy that it, he is, he took the car. <laughs> and he drove it for weeks. Right? And then he passed it to somebody else. And then, and then we, you know, I drove it for a few days. And a bunch of us, we, we, used, to, we used to mess around with it. right? And then ultimately, like, like they stole the tires and something happened and just disappeared. Right? I guarantee you that the woman would never treat that car in that way if it was really her car. Ownership makes a difference. And Jesus, has this, he compares himself to, himself to a hired hand who doesn't own the sheep. And when he says, when the wolf comes, he's like, peace out, I'm gone. It's like that woman at the airport. I'm sorry, I'm late, right? But he says, he says Jesus says, his sheep belong to him. And that sense of belonging comes with care and love and affection that comes with the good shepherd who owns the sheep. We belong to the good shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He is the good shepherd, and because we belong to him, there's nothing that we lack. He is committed to us. He is for us. He cares for us. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for my name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Because we belong to him, he will never let us go. He will be our provision. He will guide us to his perfect will because we belong to him. He will lead us into what is best for us because he's the good shepherd. And being a sheep of the good shepherd, we can rest assured that he's with us. No matter what, he's with us. Psalm 23, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. A lot of times when bad things happen to us, or we go through some difficult times, and we think, God, you know, he, he's, he has it out for me. God, you know, I've done something wrong to, you know, to anger him. But you have to understand, you're a sheep that belongs to the good shepherd. And he knows that sometimes you have to walk through valleys to get to the pasture on the other side. But he doesn't tell us to go alone. He goes with us. He goes before us. We can trust the good shepherd because we know not only is he with us, not only does he go with us, but he knows what's on the other side. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they come with me. Because he's a good shepherd, he's not going to just make it so that we don't have to go through the valley. Sometimes I ask that to God. God, 
Can you remove this? Can you just like make it so that I don't have to go through this? Can you just make it so that, God, can you just remove this really difficult person from my life? You know, like, can you just like make it so that like this just, you know, I, you know when I used to be a teacher, there was always like something, someone, whether it was a student or whether it was a coworker or something that would just like, just, like, like just, just get me in that one part where it just would just annoy me so badly, right? I'm not talking about you, Anastasia. I used to work with you. You were great, you were great co-teacher. I loved you to death, right? But but and then there would I would go to God and say, God, and then I was still a pastor at the time. I was like, God, please, like, don't kill her or make her sick or anything like that. But just help her to go work somewhere else, right? Like we say these things, like God, remove these difficulties from my life, remove these hardships from my life. Because we feel like, you know, that's the loving thing for God to do for us. But because he's a good shepherd, he's not going to just make it so that we don't have to go through the valley. Many times we like that. But because he knows what's on the other side is greener pasture. What's on the other side can be your breakthrough. What's on the other side can be your healing. And he walks us through the valley. He is the good shepherd, and we belong to him. He's not just the hired hand. We can trust him because he is good. And because he is the good shepherd and we, we belong to him, he lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, that they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. Talking about the resurrection. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. He laid down his life so we could have the abundant life. He lays down his life and he takes it up again. He conquered sin and death for us. A lot of times we think, like, what's the worst thing that can happen to our life? What's the worst thing that can happen? You know? Like, you know, when people, like, you know, when we were young, when people, like, some kid would, like, freak out and we were like, well, at least you're not dead, right? It's like the word, even as a coward, like the death is like the worst thing that could possibly happen to us. Like we worry about, we worry about our paychecks. We worry about all these things in our life. And then with the, at the bottom line is at least we're not dead, right? At least that hasn't, well, Jesus, he died and he picked up his life again so that he can conquer sin and death for us. So we know so we can know him, we can belong to him forever. He is the good shepherd. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is the door. He is the only way. And he is the best door. There used to be this game show called Let's Make a Deal. I don't know if you guys remember. There's a show called Let's Make a Deal. And like it basically, it was a long time ago in the 70s. I think there's a new version of it with Wayne Brady, um, the black guy, funny black guy. But what it is is they would have three, like, these doors, and behind it would be prizes. 
and then you know like one of their they, they would choose like choose number one two and three and they'd be like I choose number two and then it'd be like prom 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 it's like a a bag of potatoes right and, uh, and then the next one goes I choose number three and it's like it's a new car right and they're like yeah right and they usually have like a great prize and like a medium prize and just like a really crappy prize right what Jesus says that he is the door and behind that door is a man. He is the good shepherd. You belong to him, and he belongs to you. He is the savior of the world. He is full of love and compassion, and he can be trusted. He is speaking to you. He's calling to you. He's guiding you. He's shaping you. And I want to encourage you today, turn your hearts to him so you can, so you can be led to where he wants you to go into that fullness of life. You know, I talked about it before that there's like two words for life in the Hebrew, uh, Hebrew uh, language is bios, which is like our physical life, right? Our physical life. I can do this because I'm alive. I can do this because I'm alive, you know? Like I can move my fingers and my hair grows because I'm alive, right? That's bios. But then there's um, zoe, which literally means the fullness of life, the quality of life the richness of life. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and I came so that you can have zoe, you can have this abundance of life, the fullness of life that only he can truly offer us, that we can be found in him, and we can walk through his door and receive the fullness that he has for us. Let's all stand up. Let's close with prayer.